You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
What's going on, Kensington? I am so happy you're here with us today. I am Taylor Leal, and I am one of the K-Kids directors at our Troy campus, and I wanted to sneak in a little last-minute plug for our online Faith and Family event. It's in two days, and it's called My Child with Differing Abilities. I'm hosting this event with my friend Tessa, who is also a mother to a child with special needs. Whether you have a child with special needs or maybe you know someone who has a child with special needs and you want to learn how you can encourage them, we would love for you to join us. Info and free registration is at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash faith and family. I am so glad it's May and the weather is turning. Hopefully this will mean we'll have some downtime to enjoy family and friends. Here at Kensington, we want in on the fun too. So we are planning lots of ways to enjoy this season together. You'll find all upcoming summertime events listed out by campus at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash summer. First is Vacation Bible School at the Clinton Township campus. This will happen every evening from June 20th to June 23rd. Elementary students who have completed kindergarten all the way through fifth grade are invited to make waves with us and consider how we can change the world as God leads us to love people all around us. This is a wonderful way to have your child make memories, grow in his or her faith, and it is nearly free. Just $5 for early registrants and $10 for those who register a little bit later. Midweek services can also be the best day of your week. And I also know so many of you love our Rock Your Family weekend retreats at Spring Hill. This year, we're doing something special. We are combining the two for an all-new Kensington experience. We have two special Rock Your Family midweek services this summer. Our K-Kids team is partnering with the Spring Hill staff team, and they are going to be bringing some memorable family fun, including the rock climbing wall, inflatable maze, Euro bungee. We're going to have dinner outside, epic lawn games and activities, a high-energy service, and ice cream. We are so excited to be hosting both of these events, both at the Troy and Orion campus. You can join us at Troy on July 27th or at our Orion campus on August 3rd. Again, check out all summer happenings at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash summer. One more thing we want to invite you to is our 8th Annual Hope Water Project 5K and Fun Run. Metro Detroit campuses are invited to join us for this special event at Troy Campus on the morning of June 4th and our Traverse City Campus on the evening of July 20th. We are on a mission to bring clean, life-giving water to the Pocot people of Western Kenya. Over the past 14 years, the people of Kensington Church and the Hope Water Runners have literally changed the lives of thousands of people in one of the harshest climates on earth. Once a clean water well has been dug, everything else becomes possible too. Education, churches, a stable and rooted community. Please join us for our annual 5K and fun run event. Whether you sprint, jog, walk, volunteer, or sponsor, all of it makes a difference in the lives of the Pocot. These events include family-friendly barbecue and lawn games, and don't miss this opportunity to have fun and change lives. Find out more about both events at kensingtonchurch.org forward slash 5K. Let's get back to our service now and find out what God has to say to us during week two of our series called Above All. Good morning, everyone. So good to see your faces here sitting in the, in the audience right now. And to those of you view, viewing online, I just want to say thank you for joining us. My name is Tracy. I'm the discipleship director here at Clinton Township Campus. And if you're not sure what discipleship is, when you hear Adam's message today, you are definitely going to know. Well, we'd like to take this time just to add a few more things to what Taylor said. She was talking about Vacation Bible School. And I just wondered, how many of you have ever gone to Vacation Bible School in your lives? Let me see your hands. 
So quite a few of you. Do you remember anything from when you went? So, okay, so I remember, I did not grow up going to church every single weekend. We went once in a while, but Vacation Bible School was definitely something that my parents would take us to. I remember Kumbaya. Anybody? Kumbaya. I guarantee that Aaron will not be leading us in Kumbaya for our Vacation Bible School this summer. I'm sure he has something much more energetic. I also remember making an ornament that I still have on my tree to this day. But my point is, I remember Vacation Bible School. It had an impact on me. I believe that those seeds that were planted along the way, those being one of them, are the reason I'm even standing here right now. My point is it makes a difference in the kids' lives. And one of our core values here at Kensington is community and outreach, both locally and globally. This is a way to reach the community around us. Vacation Bible School is for our kids here, but we want it to be for the community around us. And when we say we're doing Vacation Bible School, we mean like we, we, like me and you, we. Our, our staff can't do it alone. We need an army of volunteers. And I know when you think about your summer, you're like four nights in June. I can't give up four nights in June. We don't want you to give up four nights. It's only two hours. If you could just do one of those nights, we would be able to fill all of those slots. And let me tell you, it is also just a blast. Whenever Kensington Kids does something, our student ministries, I like to call it organized chaos because it looks crazy, but it's always really organized. There's a purpose, and it's well planned out, and they've been working on it since January. So I invite you, please be a part of making a difference in these kids' lives in our community, giving them an opportunity to come here. Maybe they never would, but parents are always looking for a place to drop kids off for two hours. So we need you. If you have more questions, go on out to the Hub. We can answer them. There's also some information online. Speaking of the Hub, you probably know because we talk about it every week, it is your central go-to place for all things Kensington. But we know that each week there's new people sitting here and they don't know that. So for those of you that have to listen to it every week, you know about the hub. You know it's your place to go ask questions. But we also want to say if you're new to Kensington or maybe it's even your first time, we have a special gift for you. Just stop by, say hello, we'll give it to you and chat with you about Kensington. And then Taylor also mentioned, mentioned summer events. Why do we do summer events? Why don't we just do church on Sunday? Because that's just not enough. This is a great kickoff to your week and your journey in faith, but there's more to life than what you're going to hear here on Sundays, right? So we create community opportunities. That's one of our core values at Kensington is life and community, being on mission together. So we have so many events planned over all of our campuses, including Clinton Township. And as she said, you can find out more information, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash summer or summer events. I can't remember which one. So last week was the beginning of our Above All series. And I don't know about you, but when I sit in the seats and I'm listening to a summer uh, message, I want to just remember one thing, because there's so many great things, and you're like, oh, I don't want to forget that, or I want to learn more about that. But last week, Craig gave a very compelling message on our relationship with Jesus, and he gave me the comparison to um, arranged marriage and how our relationship shouldn't look like an arranged marriage that is out of obligation. That really stuck with me. Well, this week, Adam's going to be talking about how to use our gifts. And just listen for that one thing for yourself. If you walk away with nothing but one thing, God will use that in your journey this week with him for sure. So before Adam comes out, would you stand up and say hello to those around you?
Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here with us today. As Tracy mentioned, we are in week two of this series called Above All. And if you were here last week with us, that Above All is actually the title of the message, but it's the main theme of these four verses that we're looking out over these three weeks. See, what Peter does is he's talking to his audience. And I know this never happens to any of you in church or like me when I'm chatting with my kids. Sometimes the things get exciting, get lost, and we go into this la-la land. So what Peter does is he tells his people, and he looks at him in the words, he says, above all, what he's doing, he says, come back to me here. Remember this point, because what I'm about to say is incredibly important. And then he talks about how we should love other people. And when you genuinely love someone, real love will direct us into moving in action in some ways. And you can think about the people that are near and dear to you and the ways your love has drawn them to produce something for them or to do something for them in some way. And what Peter is saying, that's what our love should do for us in relationship to the world. And today we're going to talk about this idea of gifting, that God has given every one of us a gift and there's something that he wants us to do with it, some way that he wants us to use that gift in order to make his name known. And that's this idea that we're going to be teasing out a bit today. So I'm glad that you're here with us. But one of the ways we use our giftings is we kind of move out. And what I mean by that is a lot of times I think we can think church just happens in these four walls. What we believe it happens outside of here in the community. And we have a whole department called Move Out, Move Out and they are involved in over 50 networks and ways that people serve other individuals. And before we talk about today's message, we've got a video to just share a little bit about what Move Out is, what they do, and kind of what that entails. So let's go ahead and check this out together, and then we'll come back and talk about this idea of the giftings that God has given us and what he would like to do with them. So let's check this out together now. So our move out strategy at Kensington is really to equip and mobilize people to be the church beyond our four walls, um, to use the gifts that God has given us to really see, know, and love our neighbors in tangible ways. And the move out network is a really a way to build community, to come alongside some incredible teams and organizations that are really rooted in relationship in the community. That is what is key for us is we're coming alongside and supporting the work of these great organizations teams that know what the needs are. And so the Move Out Network was designed as a way to invite people into those opportunities. Uh, we designed it about four years ago. Um, it's always on our website. Uh, we have, I think right now, over 50 teams uh, that are, are serving and loving people out in the community. And seven of those teams are Traverse City Campus. So I have to give a shout out to Traverse City because they have launched seven teams in the past year or so, and they are having incredible impact. We have our full throttle team. Uh, that is repairing cars and giving those vehicles away to people that need vehicles. Um, we have community gardens and those have sprung up in really cool ways, especially since COVID. We have a lot of teams that focus on mentoring and tutoring kids. Everything from our school partner teams that are in our schools to uh, tutoring SOAR Detroit, tutors kids in Detroit, Center for Successes, tutoring kids in Pontiac. So a lot of ways to come alongside and support kids in their learning and their growth. So one of the things that we've seen happening over the past uh, six months that has been really incredible is we have launched uh, Afghan welcome teams. And we partnered with Samaritas, who is a refugee resettlement agency. And so in October, uh, we promoted this Afghan welcome team opportunity on a Sunday. Uh, we hosted a virtual info night for volunteers. And we had over 100 people uh, make a six-month commitment to volunteer to be part 
of a welcome team to come alongside a family. We formed five welcome teams and to date we've matched four of those teams with families. Our team is made up of about 19 different volunteers. We have an ESL instructor, we have a retired auto exec, we have a family that has four young children and those kids have been amazing at um, crossing the language barrier and building relationship with the kids in our families. Just recently, there was a need to go to a rummage sale. I was able to help coordinate that. And coming up, I'll be doing a, um, a cleanup in the yard with the team. Wherever there's a need, I try to fit in. I do believe that, um, you know, as families are coming to a new country, it's important that they're able to navigate the systems that are in place. And a part of that is being able to speak the language. So in order to help the family to be more self-sufficient, it's important that we support them with their ability to communicate in English. They're very eager to do so, though. So. Mm -hmm. And also with the children, one thing because I'm a teacher. Um, I think often about the relationships that kids have with one another. And for young kids, it's so important as they're coming into a new environment that they're able to create friendships. You do have to kind of overcome some fears. You know, even when I picked up the, the Afghan family, I, I don't speak their language and they don't speak mine. So I was a little worried, you know, nervous about it. But it was fine, you know. So you, it's just putting those kind of little fears out of your head and just moving forward and, and knowing God's going to work it out. There's um, a bigger story that God is writing, uh, even outside of our welcome teams and our families, and that is the people that we're getting to interface with as we come alongside them. So an example is the landlord uh, that our team, my husband Don and I, um, co-lead one of the welcome teams, and uh, we have been, our volunteers have been helping to find that housing, and so they built a relationship with the landlord, and as he's been learning about this team, who are all these people? Why are you helping this family? He just has asked more and more questions. And so he asked two um, of our volunteers, Paul and Karen, um, they shared that it was really an important goal to get the family in the home before Ramadan started. Everybody was in there, yeah. different hours, doing different things, getting the house ready, cleaning, and, and making it a home for them. And the landlord, who happens to be Muslim, um, too, and he was just watching us. Um, working alongside us, but watching us. And he several times would ask, what? who are you people? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Like, like, are you being paid to do this? Why are you doing this? Time and time again, we have had the opportunity to share with people that as believers, this is what we're called to do. We're called to love God and love our neighbors. And it doesn't matter where your neighbor has come from. It doesn't matter um, the language that they speak. It doesn't matter um, even their faith that we're called to love them. One of the beautiful parts of this journey uh, as we have started these Afghan welcome teams has been the collaboration on the Move Out Network. This has always been a dream of ours is that the teams would be supporting each other in the work that they're doing. And this has really happened uh, in this journey in a beautiful way. So um, we've had our full throttle team who has been working on vehicles that they can give to the families. One van has already been given to one family. You know, we heard about the need and, and we we asked, well, how many, how many people are in the family? And um, it turned out that there were eight. And typically the cars we get are not eight-seaters, um, but 
someone donated a, a minivan and um, so so one night I, I crawled into it and crawled through the car and, and I was a, I was assembling the seats inside the car which if you've ever tried to do that it's quite fun in the dark uh, in in the snow um, and I was counting the seats and lo and behold there's eight seats in this thing so that was the sign that yeah this is definitely something we need to be doing we've got um, another car that we're we're nearly ready to, to give away as well to the second to a second family. Another move out team that has collaborated is our international friendship team. So they are working and coming alongside international students at OU. So they connected us with an interpreter uh, who is from Iran. He speaks a dialect of Pashto, which um, most of our families speak. Uh, and he has just been integrated into our team and is the sole way we are able to communicate with our family. So he is constantly doing translating for us so that we can communicate, let the family know when we're coming, what we're doing, and um, in the process, it's just been a beautiful relationship. The relationship between the, the, the member of this group is awesome. And day by day, they want to do something good for the family. So you be motivated to do something. If you don't do something good, it seems that you are one step behind. So this is really good. I love this, this relationship with these members of the, the group. They are beyond awesome. It's not really about what you you can get out of it but it turns out you do get a lot out of it you know it, it's it's like in your giving you're getting anybody that's thinking about it you know um you know move on it <laughs> you know mm -hmm. go from the thinking to the moving nothing that you have is too small mm -hmm. um you can use even if you're a mom with small kids and you're thinking, I don't know how to get involved, but I'm interested. Even the setting up play dates with kids, that helps. If you're thinking about it, there's something in your heart, something yes. small in your heart <laughs> yes. that's, that's making you feel like maybe I should do this, just go for it and God will use you. Right. We just want to invite people uh, to check out the Move Out Network. Uh, it's easy uh, to check out. It's on our website, kensingtonchurch.org slash moveout. And you can search all the different teams. You could filter it by what your passions are, what your interests are. And then you just click on it and the leader will get back with you and tell you, here's a way you can step in um, and have a first serve and be part of this team. Our hope and our prayer is that God is gonna continue to launch new teams, new movements um, of being the church um, and that the network will continue to grow as people discover and explore what those gifts are that they have. I know I'm really thankful for our Move Out Network and Becky and all the work that they do because this is one of the ways that we get to press in the community and use those giftings that I talk about God had given us, which we're going to get to here in a little bit. But before we do that, um, I know a lot of you are like me. In your life experience and growing up, you've had you know a handful of different jobs. How many of us in here have worked maybe five or more jobs, right? Okay, yeah, there's a significant amount of us. I know growing up, um, especially in my teenage years, I did a lot of landscaping. I did a little bit of construction, and then me and my brother would find other odds and ends to do on the sides. We would move furniture. There was a season where I worked at a farm. Has anybody ever in here picked potatoes? Like nobody, really? 
Okay, don't. It's like literally the worst job in the world. At least that was what my experience was. But then um, we went to college, you know, got uh, a degree and then got into business and I've done that. But then there was a moment in my life where my job, the thing that I'm quote unquote paid to do, changed the dynamic. And I started working for a church, right? I felt this call by the Lord to come into vocational ministry and get paid to do this. And some people would call me and people like me, men and women who teach these quote unquote God experts. And I just want to say, if that's that's the way you view me, you better get on your hands and knees and start praying. Because if I'm the quote-unquote God expert, we are all in really big trouble, right? But the, the, all that to say, we do these different things and we associate kind of different levels of ideas with the work and the value and maybe the importance of what it is that we do. But it obviously, there's a big part of my ministry which is teaching on stage, right? I, I come in a couple of weeks here, week in and week out, and different people like Shauna and Craig, and we teach. And don't get me wrong, that's a big dynamic that we what we do. But if you were to ask me what some of the most important parts of my job is, I don't know that I would necessarily put that at the top. Like I have this idea and the value that more important than me teaching, and part of my teaching is this, is to equip God's people to do the work that he has called them into. For me personally, that is a greater value than standing here up on stage. Like if you said, Adam, you can be a part of equipping God's people or you can teach, but those things can't come together, I would probably stop doing this unless I felt like the Lord say, this is definitively what I want. And that's a value that we have as a church. It's a value that our staff has. Actually, if you go to our church website and you click on the About Us section, you'll scroll down and find these things that are Kensington values. And one of them specifically is this, right? That we have this idea and this value that the teaching is more important. And it goes like this. It's called As a Family. Specifically, we lock arms in community support and accountability to accomplish God's vision together. And the reason I share that is church, being a part of this, uh, this group that we call Kensington, Clinton Township, or whoever it is, is so much more than just coming and sitting and listening to any of us on a Sunday. It's more important than hearing this message and singing songs. Now, don't get me wrong. That's a great dynamic, and I think there's tremendous value. The Bible actually very specifically says that we're supposed to gather together. And in our Western context, this is one of the ways we do that. So don't, don't take me wrong to say that this isn't something that's good and beneficial. But I do want you to understand, I believe, and our church would make this point, if this is the only thing that we do, there is a greater moment, a greater set of things that God wants us to experience that we never will if our only time interacting with Kensington is on a Sunday morning. That like they talked about in that Move Out Network, there are moments, there are times where God wants to just step outside of this box, if you will, on Sunday morning that we call the church and do something. And that's what Peter is communicating to his audience here in the text. You see, then they would gather in the synagogue and they would do a very similar thing. And what Peter's saying is, guys, there's so much more to it than that. It's more than just coming and hearing the message. Like, don't get me wrong. I think this is vitally important. And we can almost use this as a springboard to head into our week and to get recharged. But if this is the only element that we ever experience from in church, there is something more that God wants for us and has for us. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. 
But before I go any further, I do want to take a moment and receive this morning's offering. First, let me say, if you're a guest, we don't want you to feel any obligation or that you need to participate in this part of our message and uh, Sunday morning today. But for those of you who are on mission, thank you. We're gonna, I'm going to talk a little bit more about a couple of these move-out networks that are going to be in our lobby, represented by the people in our campus. And they are networks, they're uh, dynamics that have been put together to reach into the lives of people in our American society that I believe are a little bit maligned a little bit are looked down and we are able to press into them and show them the light of Jesus because of those who faithfully serve and give of their finances this place so if you're one of them thank you for what you do if you want you can place your gift on the box as you leave you can text the number on the screen download our app and give there or go to the website or if you're old school and you like to mail checks hey that's totally fine with us as well you can do that but for thank you for how you give and serve because truly what I just described, reaching into people that I feel are maligned in society and communicating the message of Jesus would not happen if it was left up to us on staff here. So thank you for what you do. So today we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And in this uh, scripture, Peter takes on this idea of gifts and what it is that we should do with them. And this is what he says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, this is how I want to start in this, because I think what we can do in the church, and I mean all of us, because I've been in this camp before too, is we can collectively think that we should divide ourselves into one of two categories, and it's like this. We've got vocational ministry people, right? People that are on staff in church, and then we have everybody else. And what we do is we divide those individuals into two categories, and we say, the ministry is for the vocational people, right? Doing it's for those who are paid, they're professionals, they know what they're doing. And when we do that, we create this mindset in ourselves that we can be consumeristic and what I mean by that is there's not a moment where we jump in and we help and I want to say there are times in our lives where it is okay to be a little bit more of a consumer but I do believe if that's where we sit if month after month week after week year after year that's where we continue to be there's something great there's this huge dynamic that God has for us that we're actually going to miss by not pressing in to these other elements this other dynamic that Peter is talking about here in this and this is what the truth is the work of God in bringing the name of Jesus and making his kingdom known is equally as much everybody's part in this room is it is mine or any other person who is on staff when we respond to Jesus's invitation to be a member of his kingdom and to following him he invites us into this dynamic where you become a necessary player in God's plan you see there's no room for sidelines for anybody you see, and I think a lot of times we watch sports games or, or if you're, you, you like uh, productions or shows, there's so much of time where we sit and we watch and that's good. But what God is saying, what Peter's communicating in this text is he doesn't want anybody exclusively sitting on the sidelines. Like there's no moment to get your popcorn ready and watch and wave the foam finger hands. There is room on the court, on the field, on the stage, that provocal stage for every single one of us. And the reason that is true is God is gifted. Each and every one of us who are followers of his, every one of us in this room with a unique gifting so that you can do something in a way that nobody else can. And that's what Peter wants them to know. In this moment, he's saying, guys, girls, people, you have been made in a way that you can speak into. You can press into the life of someone that nobody else quite can. 
God created you for a work. And I think this is hard, again, because we've talked about the upside-down kingdom a lot, right? We always see authority as taking something from us. So when they're asking or needing, it's typically never for our benefit. But this is what Jesus did. When he turns the idea of a kingdom upside down, it's the king who came to serve. The king who came to give of himself for other people. And we'll get to that a little bit. But Jesus has equipped all of us specifically to do something. And I want to talk about that. Before I do, I want to share a story. When I was in high school, I played soccer. Um, And the way it worked in high school soccer is you only were allowed to have one person on the field who could talk to the official if you had a problem. And it was either the captain or the co-captain. I was the co-captain on my soccer team. And there was a lot of moments where me and my team would get a little bit frustrated with our captain because he wouldn't engage the official. Like, he is the only one who's allowed to do this. And he was a really gifted soccer player, but he wasn't a great communicator. And then as me being the co-captain, I was only allowed to talk to him if this person wasn't on the field. And there were moments where I would get frustrated. Because I don't know if you know about this, me. I like to talk. I I like to talk, and I feel like I'm pretty good. And there were moments I felt like our team could have benefited because I knew how to talk to the official. I knew that if I approached him in a certain way and I laid out an argument, it would help to influence him for our team and in the game. And while I think the Lord doesn't really give a rip the fact that I was a co-captain in high school and not able to call and talk to the official, if I just stopped using my communication gift right now, if I stopped being somebody who just talks about Jesus and what he's done for my life, I think he would be disappointed. Now get this, I don't think Jesus would be disappointed in that way where it's like, you know, that stern father tapping your foot, like, when are you going to get it? No, I think he would engage us and he'd say, didn't you know, I made you for something more. There is something that I want you to walk into and trust me, it's actually not for my benefit, Jesus speaking and say, I've actually done this for you. I want you to walk into something different. God has created each and every one of us in a way to do something that nobody else has. I'm going to say that over and over, week in and week out, because I don't think we get it. But you know what I think happens? I think we hear the other garbage spoken over ourselves. I think we hear people talk about our inefficiencies or our inabilities, which we all have, but nobody ever talks about the way that we have been crafted and created with giftings installed in us by God in order to use. So you're going to get sick and tired of me saying that, but I don't care. Because I want you to understand it. We need to know it. There's enough negative spoken over us where we need to come back and hear truth. And again, it's not what Adam says about us. It's what God has said about us in this room. But what about this idea of using our gifts for God's kingdom in the way he would want us to? Dallas Willard um, defines a disciple with a question. And this is what he says. If we could ask God this or Jesus this, what would he say? He asks, how would Jesus live my life if he was me? And that's a loaded question. And let me say it one more time. How would Jesus live our lives if he was us? And I think our first thing can be like, yeah, but that's Jesus. He's God. Professional ministry his whole life. Did you know Jesus' whole life wasn't quote-unquote vocational ministry? Actually, it was only the last three years. We're told in Scripture that that is when he became a teacher, a rabbi, a pastor, if you will, of the day. But before that, you know what Jesus was? He was a carpenter or a stonemason. I believe the combination of the two. And we're not given a lot of details in Jesus' life of what happened before his ministry. But there is one, and I talked about this at midweek. At the age of 12, there's this moment where Jesus gets separated from his parents. And his mom and dad are crazy anxious and scared because they don't know. Like, they've been given the Savior of the world 
when they lost him. Could you imagine, right? Like, how would you process that? I'm, I'm sure they were in therapy for years after that. But it's really weird when your 14-year-old is your therapist all in the same breath, right? But there's this moment where Mary and Joseph are searching for Jesus for three days, and they actually find him in the temple. And when they find him in the temple, Mary comes and she says, why would you do this to us? Why would you make us so anxious and so scared? And you know what Jesus says to her? I had to be about my father's business. See, far before Jesus was ever a quote-unquote rabbi or teacher, he knew the value of this. And while he encompassed all of the gifts in a way that none of us will be able to meet, he sets an example of what it is that he wants each and every one of us, or how he wants each and every one of us to follow. And listen, are you going to get it right every time? Nope. None of us are perfect. We will all mess up. There will be ways that we will stumble and not do it. But I think if we were to sit down with Jesus and have a conversation, he'd put his arm around us. He said, oh, if you only knew the way I made you, if you only knew what I've infused into your very being and the way that I want you to live, and I think it would change us. But what I want us to understand is that's what he's saying in this moment through Peter. Right? So today we should consider what it is that Jesus might want us to do. Right? And this is, again, I'm, I'm say this again. Psalm 139, 14. God says, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. There's another translation I absolutely love. It says, you are his marvelous workmanship. God's workmanship is marvelous. When he looks at every single one of us, he says, I have done something in you. I have made you in such a way that you are going to accomplish. I've created you to accomplish something that in a way nobody else can. Like, do I think God will accomplish his purpose without me? I do. But I do think he crafted me and you and you and you and you and every single one of us to walk in a path that nobody else is quite capable of. And what he's doing in this moment, Peter's inviting everybody into this dynamic. He's inviting them into this relationship and saying, I have got such a plan for you. If you will only step out of your own way and follow me, if we will only step out of our own way and let him, he will do some crazy, miraculous things through us. But let's break that verse down a little bit and get into a little bit more detail. I think that there's three realities we see in the text. And the first one is this. Every single one of us has received a gift. The gifts have the purpose of serving others. And when we do that, we become conduits of God's grace. This idea that our light kind of shines in such a way that others see it. And when they see that light shine, when they see us being used this way, God kind of permeates out. And it's like they talked about in the video. They got to have a conversation with their landlord about what it is and why it is they are doing the things they are doing. And when that happens, we get to demonstrate who God is and how much he loves the world through our deeds and through our actions. So first, God's given us a gift. And my question there in that is, do you know the gift that he has given you? In a letter to the church in Corinth, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help one another. Listen, I was talking to somebody after the first service, and they said, you know, I don't know that I, uh, I mean, I believe and I hear it, but I don't. Li lie. You have been given a gift. It is very clearly spelled out in Scripture that each of us has been given a gift to help each other. Paul goes on to say, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. He gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. 
He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from God or from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And just reading that, something hit me that's never hit me before. The word ability. Do you know what to me the word ability indicates? Something good, something you can do, a talent. Like it's not some insignificant, inconsequential thing. There's actually seven specific things or abilities spelled out in this passage, but in different parts of the word, there's more. There's some moments where there is as many as 18, and I don't necessarily know that this was meant to be an extensive list, but I half wonder if it's like an intro that us being able to tease out this idea that man, God made you uniquely. He made you in such a way that you have been given something, a gift, and that gift is supposed to be given to the world. And when we do that, when we walk in light of that gifting, situations are gonna change, strongholds in people's lives are gonna be broken, and God will use each and every one of us to impact this world for his kingdom. But Satan has no desire that we would know that message. God has divinely infused us with giftings. And I hope I've convinced you of that. And if I have, listen in to me. So what do we do? I think step one, if we're not sure, is we discover we figure out what it is that God has made us to do. What is the gift that he has given us? And then listen, I don't think God wants to hide this from us. Man, I think if we seek him, if we get close to him, he's going to press into us. And he's going to press us into us in such a way that we will start to understand and know what our gifting is. Now, I do believe that we have a role to play in that. We've got some initiative to take. Like, we should work at it. We should understand. We could ask people. You can go online and take a spiritual inventory test, and they will produce a chart that shows you, in some of the things you like, and some of the ways you are wired, what some of your spiritual gifts could be. And I think God wants us to walk into that. I believe he will help us, but I don't believe he drags us. Hands held together, walking step by step, side by side. God wants to move us into this place where we know what it is our gifting is. And after we've discovered that gift, man, I think God wants to deploy us out into the world. He wants us to use that gift. And listen, I want to speak to the hard part of this because sometimes I think we hear sermons and messages and we don't always get the hard part of things. And then when that hard part comes at us, we're pretty frustrated because nobody ever communicated this to us. Listen, using your gift and following God in this is not always going to be easy. There are going to be times when it's hard, and there's going to be times where you have no desire to do it as well. April was sitting over here in the first service, and I remember there was a, we've led uh, small groups for a, a long time, many years in our life, before I was ever a pastor. And there was one small group I remember we had, and it was just a bit of a burden to us to lead this group. And I can remember, and that's for a variety of reasons. We had to drive a, a, a decent ways to get there. I had to get home after work, eat real fast. We had to usher all our kids in the car, which you guys know that's a difficult task, get them home late. And we would talk frequently on the way in about the burden that this group was and why we do it. And I, man, looking back, I was such an idiot. And the reason for that is not because it was a burden or hard, it was a challenge, but we would go to that group. We would spend time with these people and we left. I cannot tell you how full my cup was. And you know why? God made me to talk to people. 
And I would have an interaction with this group and I would be able to help build people up and in turn they would build me up. And every time we would drive away, I'd go, April, I'm so stupid. Why is it over and over and time and time again I feel this way? And I think the reality of life is, is sometimes this is hard. But the thing I've understand is walking with Jesus is he's always not calling us into comfortable places. Sometimes he wants to step out. So in saying this, I think you're going to have amazing times and opportunities with him. But don't believe that it's always going to be easy. Being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus is not always, right? A little excessive on the giggle. But I think when we understand that, we recognize it can help us walk into this. This was actually true for many people. But the third thing, after we've discovered and deployed, we need to develop. We need to develop our gift and use it and get better at it. Because when we do that, that light, we've sing that song about that begins to shine. Man, it grows and it gets vibrant and it gets bigger. Listen, if you'd heard the first time I ever taught adults or taught a message, there is no way and you know where that they should have let me on this stage because I was terrible. It wasn't any good. But you know what happened? God put me in a place where I could take a step. And then he gave me another opportunity to take another step. And then he started to put people in my life. He surrounded me with individuals who were better than me that could help me to the day where that gift is developed and I could do more with it to influence God and his kingdom. And that's not something, the only part that we have to play in this is being available. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to do it. But if you can use me, I will do it and I will follow you in this way. This is actually even true of one of the, uh, let's call him the pastors of the day in the Bible, a man named Timothy who is a protege of Paul. And this is what Paul tells Timothy about his gifting in 2 Timothy 1.6. He says, I remind you, Timothy, fan into flames the spiritual gift God has given you. Interesting analogy, that fanning of the flames. Um, you don't know this about me, but I was a bit of a pyro growing up, still a little bit now to this day. Um, Fourth of July is coming up. My family just spent a ton of money on fireworks. It's going to be lit, right? But uh, maybe I'll put a video online so you all can see what I'm talking about. But um, there was a time where my pyros got me in some bad situations. Me and my best friend, Johnny, if he sees this, Johnny, sorry to throw you under the bus, but it's okay now. We're almost 40, so whatever. Um, we would go into the linen closet of his house, which was a very small space, and we would take like newspaper or cardboard or something else that was combustible, and we would wrap it up, and we would start a fire. And we came to realize that when you started that fire, if you fanned it and you blew oxygen on it, what happened to that fire? It got bigger. And it would get bigger and bigger, and we'd realize that this was a little out of our control, and we would run out of the linen closet and throw it in the bathroom and turn the tub water. It's really amazing we never burnt down the house, right? But in that analogy, this is what uh, Peter is talking about when he's writing. He's like, listen, God has given you a gift, and I want you to fan that flame. You have to do something. This is our initiative. We breathe oxygen into it, and we walk with Jesus. When we get closer to him, when we become a disciple, he's going to grow that flame, and it's going to be brighter and not louder, but bigger, and it's going to be able to shine in such a way that others are going to see it. And when they see that, we or someone we know is going to have the opportunity to share with the world who Jesus is and what he's done. And because of that, more people are going to know who he is. This is what God wants us to know. Craig talked about um, this in some manner last week. And I remember him saying, doing the funeral of the, the young lady, 35-year-old adult. And, and what I really want us to communicate about that is, is, listen, we don't know how many days we're promised. 
Any single one of us could leave here today, get in a bad accident, and our life is snuffed out. I think of my own dad, and a lot of you have stories of like this, of somebody who left this world far too soon. So I want to live in such a way that my light, the fan, the things that I've been given has been fanned and, and bigger. So that if I do leave this world early, that when I get there, that Jesus is going to say, well done, Adam. It wasn't perfect. You didn't do it right all the time. But you knew that you had a gift, and you fanned that flame. And because of it, more people walked into a relationship with me, or somebody was encouraged. And I'm saying that truth is something that God wants to do for every single one of us in this room. Thanks for the woo. I can get behind a woo. A second reality we see here in the text is about serving others. And Peter asked the question, are we using this gift to serve others? Right? That is what it is for. And I alluded to this before. Jesus speaks to this himself in Matthew 20, 28. The king talks about why he came. And this is what he says. For even the son of man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus, in his life and in this text, set a very specific example that he wants all of us to follow. Possibly the greatest demonstration of the Holy Spirit living inside of us when we decide to follow Jesus is when we resist that selfish desire to just be comfortable. And this is hard, especially in America and in our Western society. Comfort is an ideal that has been placed way too high in our list of priorities. And I have fell into that trap as well. We like comfortable, and we have the ability to be comfortable here in a way that no civilization, no people group in the world has ever experienced. And I think what Peter is saying is comfort's okay, but we need to fight that desire to always be there. And we need to be okay pressing and moving outside of that comfort in order to follow Jesus in this way. The third reality of this verse, and I absolutely love this, like I cannot tell you how much joy it brings to my heart that the Holy Spirit, that God had it written this way. Peter says that we should use the gift we've received to serve others of, in being faithful of God's grace. But you've got to remember these last few words, in its various forms. That is such a big deal, and I don't want us to miss that, and this is why. I think a lot of us look at uh, or we think about what we can do and we think God can't use me. Because you look at somebody like a Craig Mays and you think he's so wise. Man, when I compare my gift and what I have, what is it that God's going to be able to do through me? Or you look at somebody else, the people who sing or guys like Stan who mixes the sound in such a way to engage us. And Josh who runs the lights and Ben and Eric and the people that do slides. And we think about what it is that we think that we have. And we think it's inconsequential. We think that it doesn't have an impact and it's not important. And listen, I don't say this very frequently, but this is a word from the Lord for everybody who's had that thought. That is a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is Satan coming after us. And what he does is he wants to manipulate us. The devil's target is always going to be our mind. And his weapon is to lie to every single one of us and to think whatever it is that we have, be it a gift that's fanned out or still in its infancy and being developed, is inconsequential and small. And listen to me. That is a lie from hell, and that is not what God thinks. That is not what Peter communicates, and that's not what Jesus said at any point in his time on earth. Every single one of you are beautifully, marvelously, wonderfully made, and God has given you a gift to serve him and to follow him in his kingdom. So when you hear that, when you hear that you're not good enough or your gift isn't great enough, you call that out for what it is. 
It is a lie from the pit of hell, and it is not what God wants spoken over us. One of the pastors on staff shared a story with us about a time he went to India. And in going to India, he was going there to actually teach students like a seminary in order to how to be pastors. But there was another group of people that went with him. There was dentists and doctors and nurses. And I think what we can do is we can get a little bent that our gift isn't as important and that it can't be used. I wonder if the dentist and the doctor thought that they would be just as important on the trip as the pastors who were teaching the seminary. But you know what? They were. Do you want to know why? Somebody, when their mouth is hurting or they've got a physical need, couldn't concentrate. They couldn't even be able to accept whatever it is that, that any of these pastors wanted to teach them. So having a nurse and a doctor there or somebody that could meet that need was incredibly important. It was in no way inconsequential to the goal of the trip. And I think a lot of us go, that's awesome. They're a professional. They've got a skill. I don't have that. You want to know what also was just as important? People who sat in the lobby with the people waiting for to receive medical treatment. The ones who went over to individual and started talking to them and communicated that they were valuable and they were cared for. And in that moment, it was almost like this pie was being made and everybody was inserting their gift as a slice to pie. And when the community came together, there was this completeness that was made. And that trip would not have been as successful had not everybody said, here I am, I'm willing, I'll go. Use the gift that you have given me in order to push your kingdom forward. What you have to offer is not inconsequential in God's economy. And when we do that, we tend to limit God's grace. We limit God's grace that he wants to pour out on other people because we don't think of what we have to offer as quote-unquote ministry-related. But God's gift is for all of his children to dispense the gift they have been given on others. And in so, your light will shine. And as your sh light shines brightly, people will see it. They will acknowledge it. I believe they get intoxicated and want to know what is different. And that's how the Holy Spirit uses to bring them into relationship with him. And that can only happen when we as a greater community, everybody, not just the vocational people, jump on board. I believe in this room, there is a power to rock hell. And it is involved when every single one of us say, I'm willing, I don't know what it is, I don't even know if I have it yet, but if you start to walk with Jesus, he will help you discover the gifting that you have been given. And this is the big idea behind the whole message. So if you've gone away, come back and listen to me here. God has given you all a gift, and it's a gift to be used for the advancement of his kingdom. I don't care what you've heard. I don't care what somebody else has said. This is the truth, and it's the truth that Jesus demonstrated and Peter practically talks about in his passage here. And today, my challenge for you is this. Move out. Move out of this space. Last week, Craig talked about serving in here, and I'm talking about moving outside of these four walls of the church and use the thing that God has given you, the way you've been crafted so beautifully and wonderfully to let your light shine so that somebody else might know who Jesus is and come to the truth that you've come to understand. In our lobby today, Karen Nichols, I know that Karen and Dave are right there. They're probably gonna hate me. I love this couple. Karen is uh, helping with the move out. Dave's always here on Sunday. These are two people that let their light shine in order that others might know who Jesus is. 
and they've represented a couple of groups, and we have over 50 different networks of ways that you can move out in your community. But as I said before, there's three in the lobby, and I want to highlight those. The first is called McCrest, which stands for the Macomb County Rotating Emergency Shelter Team. And this is a group of people who decided, you know, I know in America the homeless population is a little maligned, and I'm not okay with that because Jesus isn't. So they press into them, they provide people to talk with, they provide job skill training, and they help give them a place to stay. We've had them stay here in our church, and they come along and they say, I'm going to help because those people are valuable to Jesus, and I want to let my light shine so they know that. Another group is this thing called the Wave Project, which is a mobile shower unit for the same people who are, have been maligned. And you know what they do? They say, we're going to serve, we're going to volunteer, because we think that everybody is worth the dignity of being clean. Something that the majority of us take for granted. And they're moving out because they want their light to shine. They want people to know who Jesus is through these networks. On Thursdays, another group is there. It's called Forgotten Harvest. And people get up early and they distribute food to people who maybe wouldn't have enough or be able to provide for their children in such a way if they didn't. And in doing that, they're saying, this is important. I've been given a gift and I'm going to use that gift to serve Jesus. And what I want all of us to understand is what those people are doing, every one of us are capable of. We are capable of letting that light shine. And if we let our lives shine, if you will be okay without being comfortable and you'll talk to somebody and you'll find a way to plug in, I'm telling you right now, God is gonna rock our community and hell is gonna get shaken in a way that he wants it to. But it happens. When those of us in this room say, I'm going to step in. I believe what God has said about me in his word, and I'm going to follow. We have, uh, if you go to the move out page, because I know that we all have different things that we're passionate about, and there's needs for the summer. We have school partners where kids aren't going to be with their teachers anymore, and they need people to mentor, come alongside of them and help them. We can move out in that way. We do flag football in downtown Detroit where you can coach, referee, provide snacks because those kids are important to us. Did you know in our community there's places where people don't have access to food and groceries like fresh produce the way we do? Because in our capitalistic society, it doesn't make sense for those stores to go in their community. So you know what somebody did? They said, I can grow things. They moved into this urban area and created gardens so those individuals who are loved by Jesus but don't get that can come and get those basic needs that we take for granted. I tell you that to say there is a way that you can move out. And God wants every single one of us to walk into because when we do, when we move out, that light shines. And when the light shines, the darkness trembles. We're going to sing a song here in a second. There's a couple of lines for it that I really love. And I pray that as we sing it, you would let it wash over you. And your prayer would be, what is it that you want for me to do to the Lord? And this is what it says. It's my joy to say yes to you. It's my honor to say yes. Whatever it looks like, my response is yes. And this is me. So Lord, if you can use me, here I am. My hope and my prayer is that you will join me in this. Because here's the thing. Jesus wasn't concerned with making Christians. He was concerned with making disciples. And a disciple is somebody who realizes that they might not be there yet. They might not have arrived. But they want to start to walk in these moments with Jesus. And I think that if we do this and we get behind moving out, our lights will shine. 
in such a way that the world will see it and they won't be able to turn away. Let's pray. Lord, I am uh, I'm thankful. I wasn't good at this. I'm still not always good at this. I still complain and get frustrated and wonder, but I'm thankful that you're patient with me and I'm thankful how you invite every one of us into. I pray that today people would go to the lobby, they would stop at the Move Out Network spot, that they would really listen in for what it is that you're calling us to because I think you want to take us to a deeper, greater place. And if we could get out of our own way, You would do something great in this community and you would use the people in this room to make it happen. Let it be said of us, Lord, that we are here, that we are willing, that we are available. Send us. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we finish out today?
have a gift. Don't ever believe the lie that you don't. Our challenge today, hey, we have a QR code I want to throw up here. This will link you to our Move Out Network website. And as I said, we've got people in the lobby that would like to talk with you. And as well, tomorrow night from 7 to p.m., we're going to have an online stream that's going to give you way more details about the Move Out Network and how you can get involved. You do have to register for it. It's absolutely free, but that's just so we can have enough of everything we need for everybody. But listen, God's calling you into something. You've been given a gift, and Jesus wants you to use it. And I think when we're starting to walk into it, man, something's not going to change in us, but it's going to change in the world around. Thank you for being here. Our prayer team will be down at the front if you would like somebody to pray for you. We hope you'll come back next week where we will conclude this Above All series. So have a fantastic Sunday, and we'll see you all here next week. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.